Hello, Rue. <laughs> hey, Ross. How are we doing? Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you as well, man. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to everyone listening. Karate people out there. Yeah. Uh, we're we're going to have a little chat about karate. Um, some very unprofessional opinions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, coming to you from the Humble Dojo, HDKI Humble Dojo in Dublin, Ireland. Um, my name is Ross. Beside me is... Rue, we are professional instructors over here in Ireland, uh, working very closely with Scott Langley Sensei, I'm sure a lot of you know him, uh, if you don't you should, um, <laughs> and we're just going to talk a little bit about karate, some of our opinions, some of our thoughts, uh, the kind of things we think about day to day in training, um, the philosophy of karate, you know, the, to, to, to a point, and just what's the general chit chat in the world of karate. Uh, but just now, new year, new me. Resolutions, Rue. What's your what's your New Year resolution? Uh, I don't know. I'd say, well, I can't. I didn't really make it a resolution, but definitely when the New Year happened, I had a little bit of a. Would you call it an epiphany, or maybe you would just call it a resolution? I just decided I was going to start training a lot harder. See, my volume of training has been very, very big since I started this job. Training. On average, eight hours a week on top of all, uh, all the classes I teach. But I started off real gung-ho, the body got tired, got a bit fatigued, and I think I kind of slacked off. Um, and then over Christmas, I was going nuts because of that high volume of training I'd been doing. Then we had our Christmas holiday and I had no training at all. And I decided it's all very good and well having a high volume of training, but you need. I, I'm going to commit more. I'm going to be trying to outdo everyone around me on the dojo floor and just decided that as much to as much as possible I'm going to try and ensure that nobody is working as hard as me in the dojo and maybe Nidan this year. Ooh. Ooh. Intriguing maybe. last one. The last one's intriguing. We need to have a talk about that. <laughs> um, but my New Year's resolution, well I've started mine uh, straight off the bat. I have uh, decided to to not back on the the boozing a good bit uh, to try and eat a bit better, and I thought, why not go to the extreme and just go vegetarian for for two months? Two months. I, I was realistic with myself. I thought I can't I can't just go vegetarian, but I thought if I go to an extreme for two months, so till the end of February, January, February, just nothing but veg, nothing but but good clean food. Um, you know, trying to cut down on carbs, trying to cut down on, on meats and stuff just to just to see if it has any effect on my fitness on my body any benefits which you and scott swear by mm -hmm. that it will um so i'm i'm in just over a week now and it's and it's going well i've not i thought i would find it tough i've not found it that tough actually um i think the the body's liking it a little mm. a little bit of a change i think what i will do though after the two months is i'll, is I'll maybe bring meat back in because i do i do love a steak I do love I do love uh, my chicken, um, and stuff like that. I love I love my dead animals. <laughs> so <laughs> what what I'll do is I'll maybe like eat meat, you know, maybe on the weekends and stuff, and, and try and be veggie, you know, weekdays. That way I'm staying healthy. It's good for the environment. It's good for the poor wee animals who die on a daily basis. But two months is pretty good. Most people would uh, would make a resolution to do something like that for one month. For example, I'm doing dry January trying not to drink this month. I failed <laughs> once already. <laughs> Rue tried to drive January and uh, we only came back uh, the, the, on the 
The 5th The 5th uh, We're coming back And we all were arriving back On the 5th at the same time We're all coming back From our holidays And I said to her Come on out We'll go out We'll all get together And have a drink And, and get drunk To welcome in the new year And he was Okay <laughs> I didn't really have to Twist his arm <laughs> So yeah We stumble But yeah You're back on it And and the other day You had uh, your, your I had a non-alcoholic zero, beer non-alcoholic For the first time beer. In my life It was delicious There you go Yeah So, But maybe it's, so pro- There's probably a lot of people That aren't aware That Scott is vegetarian yeah. Um, most of the time, I'm vegan. Most of the time. See, you shouldn't have said that because now that when he travels places, he gets to cheat because people just take him out to dinner oh, and he just dang. eats what he wants. He doesn't, and, he, and it's like he's he's getting a jail free uh, yeah, card. No, no, now no, everyone's no, going to no. know. He does, it, he, does it, <laughs> he does it for some very legitimate, like some very immediate purposes. It's because uh, meat inflames meat. Uh, I don't. How did he say it? Meat is an inflammatory, and. For health reasons, you know, uh, he's he's seen like sudden, immediate benefits to yeah. going vegetarian. Um, yeah, so that's why he's that's why he's doing it. I mean, me me personally, I I, I think it's it's still too early to tell how much it's benefited me. But I don't, uh, I'm not struggling with it. I thought I would struggle. I thought mm-hmm. I would I would be craving meat a lot. Mm-hmm. I'm not really. I'm I'm enjoying it. So it's, mm-hmm. it's a nice change. I'm enjoying the fact that I'm rising to the challenge of changing my diet and stuff. So yeah. Speaking of New Year's resolutions, I have seen a lot of people in the karate internet world with things about, you know, aiming for the next grade or knuckling down with regards to their training. We have certain people in the dojo here that I have noticed, um, like, a remarkable change in with regards attitude. People who perhaps had had their progress stilted as of late, and they're coming in with a new kind of... a new attitude, a new kind of... yeah, and it's working. It's, it looks like it's going to work for them. I think just on what you were saying about your goals of, of training harder and stuff, like, I mean, it's easy. The body always tries to find its, its cheat codes, you know, like in training, like we do morning training, mm. you know, every Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, me, Rue training all of Scott Sense's classes, Rue trains in some of my classes that I teach in the evening for the adults. And when you're training constantly like that, the body looks for shortcuts. It looks mm-hmm. for ways to. So when you're doing, when you know you're about to walk in in the morning and do a Tabata session, your body will try and find a, a way of making the punch easier, making the kick easier, getting through the reps a little bit easier. So you've got to always be mindful of that. And it's difficult, but when you've had a break over Christmas, and you have a chance to re-eval- like reevaluate and 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 reset, kind reset, of. yeah, mm-hmm. have push reset button. People always come back with that motivation, but it's mm-hmm. keeping that going. I think is the mm-hmm. the tricky part. You always have to, again, like you say, make be competitive with the people around you. Yeah, you know, uh, you've got to try and be the fastest, the strongest, technically the best. You know, you've got to be the smoothest when you move. You've got to, you you've got to, you know, be the one that's always pushing it to that limit every time. We'll come back to that later on. But in the meantime, speaking of being the fastest and the strongest, I've kind of been doing a fair bit of research lately on how to add muscle training and body training to my, you know, to my regime in order to benefit my karate by doing things that aren't karate. I'm talking about lifting weights. I'm talking about certain, you know, uh, anaerobic, uh, anaerobic training and, and animal movements, stuff like that. What do we think of that? I think it's great. I, before I moved here, I used to lift a lot of weights. Made me very strong, uh, not so much fast. I think a lot, a lot, I lost a lot of speed lifting weights, oh, yeah. heavy weights, like like for power. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does make you very strong. Like I've got really strong legs now. Whenever we do like leg exercise and stuff, it's it's always a challenge. But I, I feel like I'm on the the better end of the 
the line when it comes to getting through it because I've got still got that power uh, in my legs and glutes, um, my back as well. But I think uh, it's good to a point. Like again, you want to be able to make sure that you're training the right way, the right thing. So you want like for karate purpose, like if it's you're catering it towards karate training, you always want to be explosive. Mm. You always want that fast twitch speed. You don't want to be doing those big powerlifting movements that require a lot of str- like they do require like an explosive power but not to the point where you're you know you're you're sitting at the halfway mark trying to force the weight up like you know doing a big deadlift or something yeah, like that yeah, yeah. like there's a certain point where that becomes counterproductive i see you know uh, so it's that fast twitch so anything that you do any you know plyometric movements and um, calisthenics are great like doing lots of push-ups setups like using your own body weight mm-hmm. is 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 great because when we when it comes down to it that's what we're using so if you can you know explode like practice you know jumping squats for example um doing you know large reps and then conditioning the muscles to be able to do it for a long time but you're still using that plyometric movement that explosive movement to get up in the air stuff like that i think's really good for karate guys sprinting is very good for karate guys um yeah but i think like going to the gym and doing bicep curls Wasting your time, yeah, yeah, a little yeah. Bit, you know? yeah. That's for aesthetic purposes, I guess. Yeah, people want to look good too. You can't blame them, but um, yeah, I, I kind, I guess it's kind of the same thing as what you were talking about with the reset button. You can be, do months and months, or years and years of repetitive key hon, the same kumite dr- drills, the same kata, and you know your body gets used to taking the shortcuts and doing what it has to do to make the shapes right, or doing what it has to do to make it look impressive, and then. You go out, you find some new exercises to do basically extra extracurricular stuff such as weights, calisthenic, calisthenic exercises. Um, do you think that's necessary to to improve your karate? Do you think you have to go outside the karate box? I think, uh, I think, yeah, I do. Um, I think if you look at, um, I was in Okinawa uh, in October. Uh, November time and you look at all the, the fun toys they've got there which are used for conditioning mm-hmm. that they used um, in the Gojuru Dojo we were in they had the like I mean just a plethora of rocks and boulders and you know all these sort of handcrafted sort of weights and tools that they would use to condition their bodies and I think that you know that's the roots of where karate is and I think they're doing it back then for a reason I think we can do it in a much you know more beneficial way now with you know the amount of knowledge that's out there with exercises you look at you know professional like professional any professional athlete like combat athlete you know uh, whether it be in MMA boxing uh, Muay Thai kickboxing um, judo like they all they all do a form of conditioning you know yeah. a form of strength and conditioning training yeah. and I think uh, we as correct practitioners shouldn't be any different we should do, do it uh, but do make sure you do it properly do you do think there's things. a level at which a person should start with strength and conditioning, such as black belt or brown belt. I'm not so much sure about level. I think age. I think it's yeah. important. Like you don't want to be jumping in like any young people, you know, who are young listening into this. Like, you know, if there's a certain age where you're going to do damage to your body if you try yeah. and if you try and go too gung ho with those kind of exercises too fast. But like, that's why body weight I think is the best thing, yeah. especially if you're getting started. You know, because it's it's you're using your own body weight. It's what your body's used to. Your body's used to it. Um, if you add in and sort of external facts to it, like a barbell or an extra weight, you add in an extra tool, like even like a tube or something like that, that's putting extra strain on the body that maybe you're not ready for. Mm-hmm. But body weight stuff is something that your body cannot, you know your body can cope with. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just making sure, again, technique, 
you know, has to be correct, all that good stuff. So much stuff out there on the net with regards, you know, proper form and, and yeah, uh, I mean, making you sure you're not YouTube injuring that yourself. stuff easily, yeah. Yeah. But I think, uh, yeah, I think I don't think there's a you can start it too early. I mean, I think if you're if you're serious about your training and say you've like New Year resolution, you've you've went to a dojo, you've started karate, um, doing a couple extra push ups or squats or sit ups isn't gonna isn't gonna can only be a, be a good thing. Exactly, right? it's not gonna yeah. hold you back at, at all. Well, speaking about what's out there on the internet. We're doing. We're getting. We're going to get better at our segues, folks. This is our first podcast. <laughs> um, Speaking of, how about that controversy? Or oh, the the hikiti as of late. <laughs> the, it's like the karate apocalypse out there. Like the <laughs> amount of debate and argument over. Uh, now it's always been, you know, kind of bubbling at the at the rim, but recently it's overflowed. Yeah, uh, and it's all thanks to our good friend Ian Abernathy. Ian Abernathy. He, he he really kicked it off. Yeah, uh, and I think I think it, like I think most I think I was surprised that they got as much he got as much backlash from that as he did because I think anyone who punches like anyone who's punched something. Well, hang on. Did we mention what the controversy was? Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> we forgot. To, <laughs> so restart again. Ian Abernathy has come out and said that Hikite has nothing to do with power generation. Nothing to do with power generation. Controversy. Internet exploded. How dare you? And I think he's right. I, I think the same myself. I don't think it has anything to do with power generation. I think it will ma- it will make a difference if you actually have a hold of someone mm-hmm. and are you know the pulling hand pulling them in towards your punch. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that's going to increase the force. But I think if you're just punching midair like we do in Kihon, or mm-hmm. punching the makiwara or a bag or a pad, I. Or someone without holding on to them, I don't think it's going to make any difference whatsoever. So he made this video. It was about twelve minutes long, and he's at one point early on in the video he mentioned that the purpose of hikite has already been quite clearly spelled out by Funakoshi in his first book. Well, what is it, Karate Do Kyohan? Maybe that's the second one. Anyway, and he said, I'm going to roughly paraphrase: the purpose of hikite is to pull your opponent's limb in in order to disrupt their posture. That's it. Didn't say it's got anything to do with power generation. Didn't say you're going to punch harder. And I mean, that's I mean, it. It's it's not really. I don't think it should be a debate. I mean, if you look at Mike Ty- Mike Tyson, make Kikite when he punches. No. Well, maybe it's because <laughs> uh, karate as a martial art gets a bit of stick for this strange thing that we're doing with our hand by our hip. People will say, "Where's your guard?" People will say, "What do you you know?" It looks silly from a from a boxer's perspective or a kickboxer's yeah. or. A, I think again, it's uh, people need to understand like Kihon, the the Kihon that we do that that perfect form is like Scott Sensei always says it's weight training for your body, it's a way of conditioning your body um, to perform. So when you make hikite, like hikite isn't your hand at your hip, hikite is the motion of your hand pulling back. That's it. Your hand that's, at your hip is just hand a shape. at your hip's just the shape. That's not that's not hikite. That's that's just the end result of hikite. It's it's not it's not what it is. So having your hand at your hip doesn't matter. Like I guess if you were then to say a boxer hikite, if a boxer throws a right straight and their left shoulder comes back and their right shoulder comes forward, maybe and their hand's still at their chin, maybe that's a small form of hikite if you want to call that because they're pulling their one shoulder back and sending the other shoulder forward. You could maybe argue that that's hikite. Hmm. Would a, a boxer bring his his other shoulder back? Yeah, like, but then like, just... but then that's the rotation, that's the twist, yeah. yeah. But maybe they like do they kick their, their shoulder back when they hit? Who knows? Maybe some do, some don't. But I think that 
people get so sort of they they put the blinders on they only see he could tell you his hand on your hip mm-hmm. and that's just that's just silly so as the debate raged mr abernethy came out uh, he he posted piece of paper where it seems like he'd done some really complicated looking physics equations. He didn't do that. <laughs> it looked like he did. It, I if mean, he did, he's got too much time in his hands. He's that a was clever really... guy, clearly. <laughs> yeah. But um, he, uh, you know, he explained that if you are rotating one part of your body backwards in order to send the other part out, you're, you're basically, you're taking away mass that could be going forward you're bringing it back instead now you're going to be faster that way if you're rotating back and forward at the same time basically rotating around the center it's going to be nice and fast but we're talking about power generation here so if you rotate around the left side of the body to punch with the right hand i mean you're going to be rotating all your body mass around and it's going to be stronger i mean it's the same way when we talk about like when i I teach my my guys yakazuki when Scott Sensei teaches at Yakuzuki in class, you know, when we're training, and we talk about, you know, the the front knee not moving when you're when you're in Zenkutsu, that's when you're punching Yakuzuki. Mm-hmm. Keep the front knee still. And that goes for moving it forward and backwards as well. And you see some very high-level people when they punch Yakuzuki, they're left, like, they're punching with the right hand, their right hip's going forward, and then they're pulling the left hip back, and, you know, their body weight's going backwards when mm-hmm. we say, no, feel like you're squeezing in towards that left inner thigh muscle exactly that's where it's all your uh where that rotation should be finishing yeah that's the axis that door hinge that mm-hmm. he talks about in a uh, karate principles available and <laughs> available on Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> and he talks about that door hinge movement where one hip doesn't move the other hip's doing all the like yeah. doing all the motion forward and backwards and they uh, i think yeah i mean I, I don't think there's an argument for for putting your hand on your hip creates more power i think that's silly i don't think that's no, I think you're right. No, Hikita has nothing to do with power generation. Funakoshi said it, therefore, it's got to be true. It's got to be. I mean, it's got to be true. But on, on Thursdays when we're doing <laughs> our tube training, our resistance band training, we do stand there uh, with our arm outstretched, holding onto the tube, and we practice pulling Hikite, uh, you know, with the resistance band on, so we can... You know, is that to... In- Increase speed. Why have I been training that way, Ross Sensei? Well, I think it's because it's <laughs> think about what mu- the muscles that are used when you punch. I think that um, your lats, when you like locking your lats in, like your lats are used constantly when you punch and when you pull. Like, yeah, yeah, like lats are always moved. Like the rhomboids, the back muscles, we use them a lot for blocking, for defending, for and for. Uh, like almost every almost every technique uses some form of your back muscles. So hikite, like I say, to constantly be doing it is nothing but training those muscle groups. It's a good form of training those muscle groups. Better than if we just leave it still. So again, we're always training both sides of the body at the same time. We're never just working on one arm, at one arm, one side with the body, one one peg. It's always you trying to use as much of the body as we can at one time. And it's make it, and it's difficult. Like do, do, doing hikite is difficult. It's, hard, yeah. it's much easier to leave your hand by your cheek and punch with your right hand than it is to make hikite. So we're making it harder for ourselves. But don't I don't think people should equate the the training mechanism that we use to to make our karate more difficult and saying that's the way that we should then do it. We should take things away when we apply karate. We shouldn't add things on. Right on, man. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so 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 Ian Abernethy if you ever listen to this um, I, I think you're correct oh, oh, he oh, won't be listening deep, to this because oh, <laughs> oh, so <steep. laughs> Ian Abernethy He's... sensei will not be listening to this I can't get the video up because he has um, 
he has bowed out. He's like your man from Brexit. He's <laughs> he stirred up all the crap and then went, whoops, sorry, I'm out of here. See, he went, uh, I'm done. I'm out of here. No point. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull, uh, pull that up, Jamie. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to pull, pull it up here. Seconds ago, just something dawned on me. That there is no point at all in flogging a dead horse and expecting that horse to tap out. <laughs> it ain't going to happen. I'm so done with the Hickety thing. I'm done. I know some of you get it, some of you won't, and some of you are never, ever going to change your views, you know. So I've, I've done what I can. I've done what I can. Right? Through with it. Over, done. That's let, the most anime, <laughs> most upset I've ever seen him. <laughs> and he's smiling the way through it, but I, yeah. oh, I could listen to his voice, his accent. Like oh, that's so I've got good. the Scottish, his accent is brilliant. Where I love he his come accent. From? Hey, I'm not, I'm not sure. Somewhere exactly. in the north of England, right? Yeah, but oh, I mean the, <laughs> and his mouth opens so wide when he talks. It's great. <laughs> oh, he's so enthusiastic. Some about of everything. you get it, some of you won't. That's brilliant, um, but yeah, uh, I think that's. I think it's a, a point. I think it's something that had to be said. I think that it's uh, like a, a lot. Like I think a lot of the the it's time to get away from the misconceptions of crack. Like there's a lot of people out there who 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 are so caught up in the superficial aspects of karate. And they're absolutes as well, and like I think, speaking absolutes. And I think Ian Abernethy is one of the guys at the, the front of the pack who is pulling away, like opening the blinds, pulling away the veil and, and showing that things that things don't necessarily, aren't necessarily required for, for making karate work. And I think Scott Sensei does the same thing. He's very clear when he says, this is purely for training and this is for for you know application uh, I think he does that when he Scott says he teaches bunkai application he never he's never following the the strict form of the kata no. he's al- he's always saying this is a this is what is stylized what has become pretty karate mm-hmm. uh, and what the the original form was and and what it can be applied to and I think that anyone who who's thinking that it's the be all end all the, the way that you know, they, their senses taught them that's the way it must be. I think that that's that's just going to stop your progress, really. Yeah. I think you should be open to it, um, open to new ideas and, and open to people's opinions. Of all the famous YouTube sensei, I think Ian Abernethy is probably doing the most for karate, like for advancing karate. I think um, most like, well, definitely one of them. I think advancing, advancing karate, yeah. I think, like I said, I think just... Just taking it like he's taking it to a grassroots level of this mm-hmm. is how we apply it. But I mean, I think some sometimes he that that's great. But I think we also need to remember that martial art we have to have a bit of art in it, you know. And, yeah. and sometimes, you know, when when people then because then you get some people who just dismiss what we do completely. So yeah. when we when we perform kata, they say, well, what's the point? Just practice, just spar and practice fighting and and just you know only do application. Don't don't. Why are you worried about if you're turning on your heel or your ball? Why are you worried about you know, as, uh, like, you know the this again the the small nuances of mm-hmm. technique and it's mm-hmm. like well, because it is an art form and you do have and it is a, a way of challenging your body and your mental fortitude and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, uh, I mean, like it's like when and it punch, looks cool, man. it looks cool, but it's like when <laughs> when people punch like oh my elbow comes out when I do yakazuki, but I still hit the hardest in class. And it's like, well, it's not just about hitting the hardest. It's also about you know challenging your body and, and sticking to form. And there's a yeah. there's a little bit of tradition in there, 
And that can't be forgotten either. So it's a balancing act, I think, yeah? For example, perhaps if you committed yourself to perfecting your form, that would show a lot about your character. Yeah, I think so. And I, and I think that it's it's that's a lot harder than, than just being able to go out and smack someone, you know? Yeah. I mean, you see all the time on, on is it like, I think uh, Lyoto Machida done Basai Dai, an open workout. He was he was performing Basai Dai before a big fight um, when they let the media in to see them work out mm-hmm. and stuff. And the amount of comments saying that Kata is, Kata is useless, it's nonsense, like, you know, and just the, the, the martial artists out there who were just dogging it, dogging mm-hmm. it. And you're thinking, well... It's not useless because this guy's a world, like former world champion, one of the, the highest level, you know. He's a world class fighter. Yeah, yeah, world class fighter, and he's practicing it, so he must have some benefit from doing it. Otherwise, he wouldn't bother. Yeah. So and then that beautiful knockout was that just last year? The, the one where the he's Mike done, done it to twice the chin? now. Yeah, yeah. Oh. I mean, that's just basic karate, and it, and you only you're only capable of doing something like that by following your tech, like basic tech, like just basic principle technique and. And following it, so I think that people who who dismiss the traditional aspects to a, such a great extent are are just as bad as the people who don't uh, who follow it blindly. You know, I think it's that balancing act. You have to have a bit of both. It's best if everybody keeps an open mind. I think. Yeah. Try and be in the middle of the spectrum, not at either end. Yeah. We have now got to do our reg. What will become a regular segment? The feel of the week. Feel. Fail of the week. Um, th- this is a good exercise to keep our eagles in check, eh? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, fail of the week. Uh, what's your fail of the week? What, what happened? Oh, yesterday, uh, during Scott's class in the evening, um, we were practicing Heian Sandan. And uh, do you know the bit where you're... What's the name of that technique? It's not an Ashibarai. It's a... He's a... He's a uke. He's a uke. Yes. Yes. We were doing the He's a uke. Uh, and getting, so, so it's the big squeeze to get that knee up, also having that angle in the lower part of your leg, so it's not just pointing straight down, and uh, Scott came up with a, with an exercise in pairs where one partner would, oh, and he, he brought me up to demonstrate, so he says, okay, Rue, lift your knee up like that, and I did, and he says, okay, one partner is going to squeeze that knee into their center, and he starts pushing my knee, he holds me from the back, and he starts pushing my knee up to my center, and he goes, they're really, really squeezing that knee up into the, and my knee won't move. <laughs> Anybody who's seen me do karate know that I struggle with flexibility, so he's tr- desperately trying to push push that knee up and the idea is that when he lets go I'm going to spring forward and stamp do the fumikomi fumi, fumi landing in uh, in kibadachi but but the knee just wouldn't go anywhere and he's going he's pushing he's pushing and then just goes oh for fuck's sake Ross get over here <laughs> and I had and, to uh, and if you see me do karate I have no problem with flexibility yeah. <laughs> so it was a great success from then on I just stalked meekly back to the line yeah. yeah, that's my fail of the week. I need to get more flexible. And he'd actually told me just that morning that I need to work on my flexibility. So I don't know what he was thinking would <laughs> I, happen. It's nothing worse than, than being rejected as an OK. Once you've been pulled out. I've got a great story that I'll tell sometime about being sit, told to sit down after being pulled oh, up for an OK. Yeah, yeah, I think well, Rue knows the story, but yeah, I, I will yeah. share that with you another time. Next time. Because uh, it's a long story. Um, but my fail of the week was, uh, you know, first, like we started, kicked off morning training again this week. And uh, I trained super hard on Tuesday. Was tra- trained hard Monday night, super hard Tuesday morning. I was I was gearing to go, but um, wait, uh, Tuesday evening, man, like four or Wednesday morning, I guess four o'clock in the morning, I felt 
so sick. I got up, I vomited, like I was vomiting, I was just, I don't know what I'd eaten that caused me to do it, but it was like, a, I don't know, my stomach was just rejecting whatever was in it. It was pretty bad. And uh, all that big gene up for the new year, momentum and stuff was wasted because I had to skip morning training and everyone made fun of me because <laughs> I had to come in and teach a class straight after morning training. So I showed up and everyone just assumed that I was being a lazy bastard. Yeah. It was like, <laughs> we were covered in sweat, yeah. just done a weight session and you saunter in the door and we turn around and go, but it turns out he was very sick. I, I was very sick. I, I don't skip training just because I'm lazy. Never, never have, never will. You're usually kind of late, though. <laughs> that's just that's just because I live far away. <laughs> um, but the fail of the week, the, the fail, general, the fail general of the fail of the week, the fail that we've observed. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's our personal fails. But the the fail of the week had to be uh, <laughs> the pissy so, towels. The pissy towels. The, the pissy so towels. That's it. I was teaching on Tuesday here in the dojo. It was the three o'clock white belt class, and I have. Little ones in the class, they're either five and six, or maybe four, five and six. So very small. And we were starting off, we were going to do 29 Chokazuki for 2019. All right? Perfect. New Year. So we, I was going, itch, ha, knee, ha. They were loving it. Next thing, we were, we were doing the last nine and everybody, they, they were doing their little key eyes and everything. And all of a sudden, a puddle is forming beneath one of, the, uh, one of my little students. Oh. So it's the first time it's ever happened, you know. So I just ran over and grabbed him, picked him up at arm's length and <laughs> sprinted down to the bathroom. I deposited him in there. A grown-up was close behind me to help clean him up and put his tracksuits on. So I then sprinted out to the dojo, got a red belt to take over, teaching them how to do Chokazuki and my Gary. But oh. he, was, he was too shy. He was going to show them how to do it but he couldn't talk so i was there with the bottle of bleach and a load of towels cleaning up while going itch <laughs> looking over my shoulder to make sure they're doing it right anyway cleaned it up put the towels in a black plastic bag and left them behind the counter in the dojo later on that <laughs> evening <laughs> so i i'm in the middle of teaching my class and uh, i hear scott says it coming out going what what are these towels doing in my office? And Roy goes, oh, don't touch them. Those are the pissy towels. <laughs> Scott says he's holding these piss drenched towels in his hand. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that was, that was Scott saying, fail. fail. That was the funniest fail of the week. Um, goes to Scott Sensei this week. I'm sure it'll be someone else next week. Uh, but yeah, always good to laugh at yourself. <laughs> this dojo is full of encouragement and <laughs> we, we really big each other up. And that's the fail of the week. So, next up on our little agenda of things that we want to talk about on this here podcast thingy. So, I'm sitting on, on John's bed just now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing this sitting on... We have a, we have a uh, John Shanahan sensei uh, staying with us just now for a month. Um, he can't be here today, unfortunately, but... Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe next week. Oh, we should do a wee interview. We'll yeah, interview yeah. with him next week, yeah. see how he's getting on. But uh, he's doing our HDKI internship mm-hmm. just now. So he's here for a month. Uh, he's helping out in all the classes. He's training in all the classes. Um, and, you know, just doing little bits and bobs around the dojo, making sure it's clean and tidy for mm-hmm. us coming in. He's also imparting his wisdom in the changing room quite a lot. He is He is a, a sixth dan. Um, so very, very odd for someone at that level to be doing something like this. Um, yeah. It's not, and but he he loves it. He, he loves doing it, and he is a great addition to the team. I think uh, for this like this month's going to be a, an exciting month because he has 
a lot of wisdom, just life wisdom. Yeah, you know? life wisdom, karate wisdom. He's been around the block with regards to karate. You listen to some of his stories, some yeah. of them are, are brilliant. You know, he, he's graded in Japan under Kagawa Sensei, um, sparred with some of the top guys over there, some of the Kenshisei boys over there. Yeah. He's He's been around since way, way, way before I was born. Sorry, John, but way <laughs> before I was born. Yeah. Way before Same. you were born. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, it's great having him here. But uh, our man here, Rue, he also done the HDK internship yep. uh, last year. Last March. Last March. Mm-hmm. So Nearly how, a year. How, how did you find your, your time in the internship? Well, I was uh, I was living away from Dublin at the time. So I wasn't regularly attending the Humbu Dojo. And I was going to start up a little club and uh, and start teaching. You know, I wanted karate to be a more important part of my life. So I said, I'm going to do it. I'm going to start a dojo down here. And I thought, before I do that, I really wanted to do it properly. So before I go and do that, I'm going to ask Scott Sensei if I can try the internship. And he said yes straight away. He said, it's a great idea. It'll really give you a good uh, head start with regards to the dojo. Uh, and uh, so I did. I came up here. I slept on this couch. It, well, it's a sofa bed. It's actually super, super comfy. It's very nice. I spent a month in the dojo. I'd say an average of six to seven hours in my bare feet on the dojo floor every day. Morning training, assisting all the kids' classes, training in the evening, um, cleaning up around the place. Um, doing a few odd bits and bobs, odds and ends, keeping the place running. And it was a lot of training, a lot of karate. Oh, I also sat in on all the business meetings every Tuesday, so I got a real good insight into the running of a professional dojo. Uh, things like advertising, things like tracking membership, uh, taking taking payments, and um, also kind of how students are managed, you know, if a, if a question comes up about maybe a grading or or anything and then how the the sensei who are familiar with that particular student will talk about it discuss it gave me a lot of really good insight into how a dojo is run like i said it was invaluable well that that's the kind of thing that i think we're trying to we're trying to do with guys who come and do the internship so what we normally do is people that show down show down and above uh, come in stay for a month i think juan stayed the longest for three was it three months? It two or three months. Two, two, two or three months. Two or three months. Felt like three months, man. Mm. By the time he left, you were like, it's good riddance. <laughs> <laughs> Just joking, man. But, um, uh, and yeah, that's what we try and do. And we try our best to be welcoming and helpful. We try and encourage. We're not we're not standoffish. We're not out to, to make your life harder. We're there to make your life easier, you know? And, and It's got to be the friendliest, can you say, program in the world. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. I mean, and... and with your time here, I mean, what what was the what was the toughest aspect of, of being here? Do you think? Uh, the toughest aspect was the volume of training. Yeah. Yeah, and, and well, yeah, the volume of training and volume of time spent doing karate, whether it's assisting or training or whatever, and also mm, kind of the it was a shock, you know, and also being away from home, sleeping here in the dojo, it was all there was a culture shock, a bit of a shock to the system in in a lot of different regards. So comfort was limited. It's, and that's with you having trained in this dojo before. Like for yeah, a, a I was while. already familiar with the dojo. I already, I was already friends with you guys and everything like that. So I can imagine for somebody who comes from, you know, such as Juden, we had a, a an intern here around at the same time that I was here. He came from Sri Lanka. Yeah, and he was in, in the winter. Like, yeah, he didn't the even. Yeah. You know, the poor guy like didn't even. Uh, uh, you know, the, the food. He'd never been to Europe. 
So yeah. the food was was a shock. The way the place runs generally was a big shock to him. So yeah. And and for people who like again, Riz just like he was training in the morning with us before, so it wasn't it wasn't brand new to you. Like, but the intensity definitely picks up when you're doing the internship. Definitely, and there's there more asked yeah. of you. There was a bit more focus on my own progression, and it was that was it, it was added pressure, but it was also just so great that you guys were taking a special interest in my improvement. Yeah, because uh, because you know at, at that point you're no longer you know a, a member of the dojo. You're now you know here for a purpose like mm-hmm. you you have like and it, we take it upon ourselves to try and like, like i say help people out you know encourage them along mm-hmm. and they uh, you know just be very harsh with her <laughs> at the, the end of the day that person is going to take a certificate away so in a way they're going to be representative of the intern program in and in a way representative of the dojo well that's it you know and we want to make sure that they're better when they leave than when they got here you know uh, yeah. and whatever way we can help out um but yeah, so like that. So John's here doing that just now. He's just kicked off. We'll see how he gets on. Mm. But uh, I think it's starting to get quite. We're starting to get you know someone in every couple of months now. I think we've got a. Is this our eighth intern? Yeah, yeah. It's been quite a few. Um, quite different though. Like I, I had a Kenshi experience with Richard Amos Sensei in mm-hmm. New York. Mm-hmm. Um, a little bit nicer than Dublin, I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I was over for a month in New York with Rich Sensei. Um, uh, and yeah, that was that wasn't. Uh, I think the benefit I had from being a full time instructor here was I was already used to teaching. I teach the most, I think, in the dojo, the most mm-hmm. hours. I think probably the most hours out of just about anyone in Ireland. Yeah, <laughs> I teach a lot of hours. There's no other karate instructor in Ireland teaching 19 hours a week. <laughs> 21. You're, just, you're doing 21. 21. <laughs> just say, uh, 21 hours a week. So it's it's a lot. And uh, so the the I had the benefit of of teaching more actually than than what I was when I was over there, and we trained very we try and train very very hard in the mornings here. Mm-hmm. Um, I a lot of technical input in the evening classes mm-hmm. when I'm training with Scott Sensei. Um, so to go over there and adjust is is very different. The big shock was it's a very different style of karate, which is which was great. Scott Sensi's style of karate, I think, is is excellent, um, and his way of teaching is is excellent. He he teaches, and mm-hmm. I think one of the big differences, Rich Sensi, he feels like you feel like he's coaching you through mm-hmm. the class. You feel a lot more one to one time is being spent on you while you're over there. Um, again, the, the his style of karate is very different. I think they're at opposite ends of the spectrum. Scott's very flexible and whippy. Richard's very connected. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a, a fun chance to try and basically change your karate for a month. Mm. Um, and which is nice because there's definitely some things I've kept from that time there. Uh, but it was yeah, I think that I, I had I was very lucky going over for the month after spending you know a good two years over here yeah and getting used to training hard and often and teaching a lot yeah um so i think a lot of people would probably like i think if i hadn't been doing that i would have struggled yeah a lot um because you are like you say immersed you're cleaning the dojo you're assisting in every class you're training in every class um you're making like just making sure everything's in in shape sometimes you're going up and doing the yoga with the ante um, and stuff it's a very immersive experience but the one benefit is i get to go and do touristy stuff in new york yeah (laughs) (laughs) i was at the top of the empire state building in the afternoon and training in the evening that's cool man but what was the hardest thing about that um the hardest thing uh, about your intern uh, your kinshisa program over there i think 
Um, the thing that I found quite tough is that we had to write reports when we were over there, and I'd never uh, like I, I wasn't confident. I was that was the thing I was most worried about. Yeah. Turns out when I got over there and I started writing that, that just flows out of you, especially when you're immersed in the karate. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was that was the thing I was most worried about. But the t- the toughest thing I think was, um, I think it was the heat, man. The heat over there it was summertime, and it was like down in that down. Rinsen's dojo's underground, like in the basement, and he had like four little fans that did nothing except blow hot air. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So it was like some sometimes the floor was like an ice rink, you know, the amount of sweat that was coming off everyone. It was really hot. So training in in that heat, like we never get that heat, you know, never experienced it in Scotland. I've never experienced it here in Dublin. Uh, so that was the toughest thing: the heat. Wow. Training like to the same like intensity as I would here, but with the the heat cranked right up. You know that New York summer heat, so that 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 made it a bit tougher. That made you have to dig a little bit deeper. So the hardest thing wasn't uh, sparring Richard Amos. Well, that was horrible. Yeah, <laughs> uh, he was very. He never. He never. He never. He, I'm still here, so <laughs> <laughs> it was very scary. He would come down in the morning sometime and be like, "Okay, Ross, let's let's move around," and I'd be like, "Oh no." <laughs> That's you know what that means. <laughs> and you're very and you're very. It's very difficult. Same here. We spar in the mornings with Scott says. Scott says he's. Uh, like you, like again, like Rich said, never hurt you, but you, you don't want to do it. <laughs> like you don't want to hit them. It's scary. It's scary because yeah, there's that balance. I think that and that's a struggle that for a lot of people. I think are like because the people who don't understand that this person is the sensei, your senior, you have to show respect. Mm-hmm. You can't just go in guns a blazing and try and smack them in the face. Sure. Um, not that you would be able to anyway. But they'll make you sorry if you try. <laughs> but that's the thing, and if you if you do, you'll find out quickly you, you shouldn't have done that. Yeah. You know. Um, yeah. But at this at the same time, you don't want to to carry away the whole time. You don't want to be too standoffish. So it's find that balance of of having a nice ex- flowing exchange with with them, and but at the same time, not take not you know escalating. Yeah. To to something where you're going to, where you will end up getting smacked. <laughs> yeah. We have a guy who attends morning training, folks. Uh will we name him? Well, Karen. <laughs> Karen. Karen. <laughs> Big ballbag Karen. <laughs> and he likes to escalate. And when I started working here, so he was there all through my he was there all through my internship, I'm pretty sure, but uh he left me alone. But when I started working here last September, I became a full-time instructor on the Hombu Dojo team. And man, he would thump me around in the mornings quite a lot. That says, "Welcome to the yeah. welcome to the club." Yeah. So uh, I actually I haven't sparred with him in ages, but uh, that was one of my first um, kind of medium term goals that I wouldn't be intimidated by Karen anymore yeah. in morning training. So Karen, if you're listening to this, <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna get it. You're Karen. dead. Yeah. <laughs> And if you don't get, if he doesn't get, Sean will. Yeah. Sean's coming for you. <laughs> Everyone's out for Karen. Everyone's out for Karen. He's, and it's because he escalates. Like, like mm. sometimes, because sometimes it is fun. Yeah. To to take up a notch, just a just a tad. It is yeah. it is fun as long as it doesn't get to the point because we have to do this every day. Yeah. And you, if you, if you're. Maybe not going a hundred percent, and somebody and you clip somebody, and then they come guns a blazing at you because their ego takes over, mm-hmm. and they think, "Oh, I just got hit in the chin. I need to hit them back," and then you end up getting silly injuries and stuff like that. There is nothing more annoying than getting a silly injury from someone who, who's just you know lashing in with with their techniques. It's very frustrating. That happened actually. I was teaching in a, in over in America. Um, and I was just doing a, a nice and easy committee drill, but um, it was two a guy like two two friends uh, that had come to train in the class, 
And you could, I could see they were starting to escalate. They were starting to get fast and quite mm-hmm. heavy-handed. I said, guys, it doesn't doesn't matter who hit, who. It's not about winning or losing. It's just about working together, improving mm-hmm. together. And uh, it was, and it was that way where one of them ended up with a massive black eye at, at halfway through the class, and we had to stop and make, get some ice on it and stuff. And it's that way where that just spoils everything. Yeah, I know, man. Getting your ego too involved with what you're doing, and it, it can be detrimental. And it was mentioned at the beginning of the podcast as well, and I said we were going to come back to it, because when we talk about ego, I'm always reminded of one time when I asked Scott Sensei over breakfast, after morning training, how involved should your ego be in your training? And he ended up, first he made a joke like he always does whenever I ask a question. Makes me feel bad for asking a question. And then he imparted his wisdom. And he said, um, what did he say? He said 100%. Yeah. He said, uh, what is it? Well, I can't remember how he said it. But the point was, to make progress and to improve, you've got to be doing it for yourself. Therefore, it's an egocentric pursuit. I remember, I, I... Vaguely remember the, the the breakfast conversation, but I remember more the after the staff party. Yeah. We had a staff party just before Christmas, and the three of us were a uh, the last ones, last men standing. Yeah, and that's and that's when you get Scott Sensei at his best because he he has no <laughs> filter. He just lets all the all the secrets come out. Yeah, and uh, I remember him saying, you know, he said, "Well, look, look at." Look at Ross. Ross is an egomaniac. <laughs> He's an idiot. And 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 uh, and he said, "Look at me. I'm a maniac. I'm an egomaniac." Like we, he was calling us both egomaniacs. And he said, "But that's that's what you need to improve." And I think it's it's knowing when to rein it in. Right. So, for example, if if someone is giving me feedback on the dojo, um. It doesn't matter who it is, I'm going to listen and improve on what they've just told me. Mm-hmm. Regardless of whether I think I'm I'm technically better than them, if I'm physically faster, stronger, if I think I'm better at karate, it doesn't make a difference because everyone, like, everyone can see if you're doing something right or wrong. Everyone has something to get to offer you. Yeah. It doesn't matter who you're training with, who you're uh, getting taught by. You can always pick something up. So you should never be dismissive of anyone. But at the same time, when I walk on the dojo, I go, well, I'm going to be better than everyone on the dojo. Mm-hmm. Regardless of who gives me feedback, I'm going to be like, you're going to struggle. I'm going to be always aiming for it. You will have nothing to say about this because this is about to be perfect. Yeah, Never is, but that's the goal. Mm-hmm. And I think it has to be. And I think that you have to have like friendly rivalries, like uh, always, like Tommy Sensei, like uh, we, Tommy Butler, for those of you who don't know him, um, he's a full-time chef. Um, very successful chef but he's also technically probably the apart from Scott Sensei in this dojo probably technically the best the best yeah um, definitely at Kata anyway yeah. like he's definitely the, the best in the dojo at Kata and every time we do Kata I'm standing beside him and I'm saying today's the day I'm going to be better at this Kata than Tommy Sensei and never never, <laughs> never. <laughs> but I, that's the goal and my goal is to always be better than Tommy mm. now me and Tommy are great friends we 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 hang out outside the dojo all the time and stuff and I, the ego part of me of trying to be better than Tommy doesn't affect my opinion of Tommy or how I treat Tommy or how we interact or anything like that so it's having that you know little bit of and we both and we both know it we both compete against each other all the time like the other there were three of us yourself myself and Tommy were up doing a Oikomi up and down the dojo mm-hmm. in the Tabata session the other day and the three of us are trying to 
be first finished. I was trying. We're trying, trying to be first finished, you know, and and, and me and Tommy are, are probably the fastest at it, and me and Tommy are both neck and neck the whole way through it to the point where when we're finished, we've collapsed on the floor afterwards. And that it's just that nice, fun ego trip where you you desire to be the best. I think is the the most important thing in, to improving. In the context of that oikomi exercise, you can definitely say that getting getting your ego involved is beneficial because you trained as hard as you possibly could in that moment because you were trying to be faster than Tommy. Uh, but there are times when involving your ego too much, I think, can be detrimental. Maybe not, I don't know if it would be detrimental for your training necessarily, but certainly I have noticed a bad vibe can kind of come up around a person, say during a, a kumite drill, say we're, it's, it's, it's Thursday, Scott is, is like, he's, got, he's doing some fun stuff and everybody is getting really fired up, the key eyes are flying and everybody's trying to score, everybody's like really trying to get stuck in. And then you see people with this dark look come over their face and they get punched in the teeth a little too many, a few too many times and they just get so upset and then they don't want to talk and they, you know, I don't know. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's, that's what I'm talking about, get, keeping it in check. I mean, I think with sparring it's tricky because some, nobody likes getting hit in the head. Nobody likes yeah. getting hit. Nobody likes losing. And it's a very competitive thing, sparring. Even when you're trying to flow and relax, you're still trying to hit the other person and not get hit. Yeah. So there's always a competitive element to sparring. And I think that some people aren't... Uh, there's one or two people that I know that are not mature enough to be able to spar friendly and freely without escalating, like, mm-hmm. like I was talking about earlier, without bringing it back to, to a more personal place than it needs to be. It should just be about self-improvement. And when I'm sparring with someone... Um, like for example, the other the other day you caught me a good one in the chin. The other uh, the other day when we were sparring, mm-hmm. um, you wouldn't have, like I wasn't like oh my god like that's it I'm going to have to kill Ruth <laughs> you know uh, uh, like that's it. Sometimes you get caught like even like even when you 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 think oh, I shouldn't be getting caught like that you know you 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 give yourself a hard time you don't give the other person a hard time you give yourself a hard time and you say thank you to the person because they keep you on your toes mm-hmm. they're improving you getting caught in the chin shows that you're you're making improvements and it mm-hmm. shows that I, I need to you know make sure I'm still switched on all the mm-hmm. time and, and stuff and it, and it goes for anyone anyone who gets uh, who's sparring and, and gets caught that's well cop on and learn don't don't shut down talk say ask why is it that I'm getting hit every time mm-hmm. I try this technique? What is it that you're seeing that's and picking me off with? You know, mm-hmm. it should be a, it should be a conversation piece, not a, not a way of d- dividing the dojo. You know, because at the end of the day, we're all here to improve, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm here to be the best, don't I? <laughs> that's my that's my goal. I'm here. Yeah, to be well, you'll have to improve a bit then. But that's but that's what like I mean uh, when I interviewed for the job with with Scott, I think four years ago now. Um, I remember one of the one of the questions he asked. We were sitting down, we we're having a, a a coffee, and we we're just talking blathering than away. He was going to catch a flight, so it was that was a quick interview. But he, one of the questions he asked me was, "Where do you see yourself in ten years' time?" And I, first thing that came to my head, and I blurted out, "I said like you, but better." And he Damn. laughed, and he was like, "All right, you cheeky <laughs> fuck." But like at the same time, though, that like, what's the point if that's not the goal? You might never do it. Yeah. But yeah, go for it. You know, like you, but better. And that's my goal. That was my goal back then. It's still my goal now. I want to be better than Scott by the time 
I'm really old. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. oh, stay tuned, folks. <laughs> Ross's new teeth. <laughs> How do you feel on the next podcast? <laughs> but yeah, um, but I think yeah, people need to control their ego, but also allow themselves to be driven to the point where they want to be the best better than everyone and not let it hold themselves back mm. like you were saying you were having a tough time initially when it came to sparring people and stuff like yeah definitely not to sort of again when especially when there's a lot of senior grades um and morning training can i smack this pair can i well not smack can i hit this person in the face without insulting them and that's the tricky thing especially with a traditional martial art like karate because there is the hierarchy yeah there is a you know a certain level of respect that needs to be shown to senior grades um, especially people who are older than you and stuff mm-hmm. if you're coming in as a young junior grade it can be difficult and it's and it's something that's you know it's 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 a good thing it's a nice thing when you have when you've earned that that respect and that recognition but it's also it can be detrimental in the sense that you then are holding back so much yeah but you were saying you were having trouble initially finding the, the the motivation and stuff to be able to go in and and have a proper go at some of the guys in, in the morning yeah, yeah yeah i sort of um i didn't start off like like you and scott sensei did with that that um that notion i guess i'm just too humble too humble, <laughs> too humble to be a hdki <laughs> instructor the most humble person you know yeah <laughs> yeah yeah that's me <laughs> no i just uh whatever it was um i i was i was lacking that that extra bit of um thirst for victory <laughs> yeah. i suppose um so uh but you know my attitude has changed a lot in the three and a half months since i've been a full time instructor here and it's 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 come in like i've learned by example i've learned by getting thumped around a bit kind of having my own ego bruised a bit and I've also learned from those times when Scott Sensei will open up and tell you exactly what your problem is. Yeah. You know what your problem is. How many times <laughs> have I heard that lately? <laughs> so yeah, I know what my problem is now, and I I can see uh, that thing. Things are gonna be different. New Year, same me, just better, that's way it. better. That's the goal. That's the goal right there. Mm-hmm. And on that note. I think we'll we'll sign off, yeah? Yeah, time to say bye. Sign off. Until next time, guys. Okay. Thanks for listening, folks. Tune in again. Deep bows. Oh,